Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Six point six Smoke Chen was in the back seat holding a glass. Andy slid in next to him. Have everything? he asked, and took a sip of what looked like whiskey. Yes, she swallowed. I think so. Would you like some to calm your nerves? He picked up a clean glass from the car's bar. No, thanks. I need to keep my head clear. She gripped the bag on her lap. Don't worry, he said, looking out the window. It will all be over soon. In the failing light, the shadows under Chen's eyes looked even darker, bluer. His shoulder slumped to one side, favoring his bad hand. When Andy's earpiece came alive, she took in a quick breath and heard, Andy, can you hear me? Cough if you can. She looked at Chen, her nerves humming, worried he could hear Tate's voice. Chen gazed calmly out the window as the car pulled onto Agua Fria. Andy coughed once. Do you have the practice knife? Chen asked. She opened the bag and took out the plastic knife. Chen pulled the obsidian knife from a bag at his feet. Andy reached for it, but Chen took the messenger bag from her, slid the knife inside, and snapped it shut. Remember, find someone quickly. Once the lights go out, you'll have just a few seconds before the flames and the fireworks throw light on the field. When you're done, make your way out of the west gates. The car will be waiting for you on Bishop's Lodge Road. Have you been practicing? Yes. Good, Chen said, and looked out the window again. There will probably be security at the entrance. Don't look at them as you leave. Just move. Get through the gate and onto the road as fast as you can. What if they stop me? Say you're not feeling well. If you have blood on you, wipe it off with the black towel. I'm glad you wore black like I asked. Mr. Chen? Andy asked. What happens after? We go back to the house. Arius will want the proof, like the lock of hair, the blood on the knife. Blood on the knife? Her face went cold. Wait, we didn't talk about that. Yes, of course, Chen said. He'll want evidence of the actual sacrifice, just like you would. How was she going to get blood on the knife without blowing the whole plan? She laid her head back on the seat and closed her eyes to think. Panic flooded her mind and made solutions slippery and hard to catch. After too long, she didn't want Chen to get suspicious, so she asked, Chen, what happens to Arius after the sacrifice? We all go back to normal. Will he move away? I don't know. He likes it here. 
I know he'd like to continue tutoring you. Would you like that? She tucked her hands under her thighs. Will he want me to do this again? Sacrifice someone? Chen took another swig of his drink. Then he looked at her, glassy-eyed. Would you do it again, if he asked? She hesitated, considering which answer would get her the most information for her eager-eared audience. If he were sick, I guess I would. So, you believe him? Partly, I guess. I'm still piecing together what I believe. Is that all right? Chen's eyes narrowed. I suppose it will have to be. The car inched cautiously past the miles-long line of ticket holders. Girls in embroidered circle skirts, cowboy boots, and matching hats strolled along the line, selling LED headbands and zozobra earrings. The local sheriffs surveyed the scene on horseback in khaki uniform shirts and wide white Stetsons. Clumps of people held signs reading, Que viva Zozobra, or Burn the Immigrant ID. Don't wait in the line. Just go straight to the front, Chen said. Show the man at the gate this. He pulled out a neon green VIP wristband, then find a spot in the middle of the field and start looking for a candidate. Okay. Andy wrapped the wristband around and tried to loop the end back. It flopped open on her lap. I'm too shaky. Here, let me help. Chen gently wrapped the band around her wrist, then fastened it tight. I know you're nervous. It's only natural. What if I can't calm down? It's not as difficult as you think, what you're about to do. We build it up in our mind, but a single cut will stop a heart. Just think of it like snipping the right wire in an engine. Tate mumbled, sicko, in Andy's ear. Martin pulled the car up to the entrance and Andy got out. Good luck, Chen said. Stay focused. Andy nodded. Two cops were wanding a group of college boys near the gate. Andy dropped her eyes and walked past them to a ticket taker in a yellow-green vest. On your left, Andy. An FBI agent stood beside the hot dog stand in a Yankees cap. Don't stare. Not polite, he said. Agent Tate, is my dad with you? Yep, right next to me, Tate said. He says, good luck. Tell him I love him, she said and walked into the park. The Zozobra towered atop cement steps on the north side of the field. Huge cables held up his head and arms. He was blonde that year and wore a white robe, blue bow tie, and belt. His LED eyes glowed kelly green, and his ears were too big for his head, like the deformed vampire in Nosferatu, 1929. Shane's Halloween favorite. A local band was playing, and thousands of people already lined the field. Families were setting up blankets and lawn chairs. Lovers, children, old people. The three FBI snipers were on the roof next door, dressed as regular police. They'd walked Andy through the plan if things went wrong earlier that day. Andy, 
Agent Golden is on the field near second base. She's sitting on a red Lobo's blanket in a striped shirt, like we talked about. Do you see her yet? Not yet. It's really crowded. Andy stepped around blankets, coolers, kids with pillow pets. The VIP audience had been waiting in line outside for over an hour, and they'd grown restless. A drunk girl threw up on a man, and a scuffle started. Andy moved away. What is that, Andy? What's going on? Just some drunk girl. I see Golden. Do I say anything? No, don't. Just stand behind her. Andy stopped at the edge of Golden's blanket. Her extensions looked ridiculously wrong beneath her short, choppy hair. Andy felt for the scissors in her bag. Then a hand gripped her arm. Andy, what are you doing here? She spun around. Chris! I'm, uh, I'm here to see the burning. Who is that, Andy? I thought your mom was anti-Zozo, Chris smiled. Cecilia and her pack of predators stood nearby. She is. I just... Get rid of him, Andy. Now. Are you alone? Come sit with us. He nodded toward the group. Chris, I need you to go away, she whispered fiercely. What? I can't watch with you because I'm working right now. Be careful, Tate said. You're working right now for Adams? He gripped her arm. Are you insane? Andy yanked her arm back. Chris groped the bag. Andy tried to stop him, but she was too late. He felt the knife. I won't let you do this. Shh, it's not what you think. It's still murder, he whispered fiercely and wiped his brow. I won't let you ruin your life for him. I'll drag you out. Make a scene, whatever it takes. His eyes were bloodshot, and he sounded tired. Calm down. I'm here working with the FBI. We're trying to get evidence on Adams so they can arrest him. Adams thinks I'm doing what he wants, and Chen is here watching. Andy heard a low groan in her ear. Then, Andy, for the love of all things holy, don't say anything else. Get rid of him now or one of my guys will step in. Please, Chris, for your own safety and mine, leave me alone. Chris loosened his grasp. You're going to... I'll explain everything later, but now I need you to act like you don't know me, okay? He nodded, looked around, then stepped back to the group he'd come with. Andy could see them watching her from the corner of her eye. Once the gates opened, the non-VIP crowd pressed in. Minutes later, the crowd was so thick that even the lawn-chaired people had to pick up their gear and stand. Those who'd stood in line for two hours were cranky and loud. The wind picked up, blowing the skirts of the Zozobra, revealing his missing legs. Steel-blue storm clouds massed above, and a strange tension pushed through the crowd. Everyone, thanks so much for your patience this evening. A voice finally came over the loudspeaker. We're sorry about the delay. We've got some high winds up here on the hill, and we're just waiting for them to die down a bit to get started, for safety reasons. Once they do, we'll begin. The pre-show band took a break, 
leaving only the rumbling of thousands of impatient onlookers to fill the night air. A woman shouted, Get your hands off me, you fascist! The sound of wrestling and, No, don't, followed. Then another scream. What is that? What's going on? Andy asked into her mic. Just a fight. Immigration protesters. Stay put. The police are handling it. The woman sounded like Anna Lucero. Andy turned away from the scuffle and pulled her hair down around her face. If Shane's friends were there and saw her, she had no idea how she'd get rid of them. But the longer she had to wait, the more her legs and nerves tired. The zozobra skirts whipped around him like he was dancing for joy at the crowd's discomfort. Andy was starting to tremble when more shouting erupted. A chant of, burn him, burn him, burn him, started in one corner of the field, then swelled and crested through the rest. Soon, a moving mass of fists punched the sky, begging for flames. Okay, folks, the man on the PA said. We're going to go ahead and get started now. Zozo's skirts were still whipping in the wind. Please welcome the mayor of Santa Fe and reigning judge over these Zozobra proceedings. The mayor, dressed in medieval robes lined with LED piping and holding a huge staff, ceremoniously climbed the stairs to the Zozobra. Shall we burn him? He turned and asked the crowd, arms in the air. The audience went wild. The people have spoken. I now pronounce upon Signor Zozobra the penalty of death. I declare on this night of September 6th that the monster Zozobra be dispatched by appropriate ceremony and fire. In his execution, we shall release all anxiety, heartache, sadness, and gloom from our fair city, and all who bear witness shall be liberated from fear and suffering. As he talked, the snipers dropped to their bellies. Andy scanned the crowd for Chen, but her eyes caught Chris's instead. The rest of his group was laughing and huddled together over a cell phone screen. Chris was inching closer. He stood twenty feet from Andy, staring, hands in his pockets. Let the fire bring us new life, the mayor waved his arms. Let the darkness bring us new light. Okay, this is it. Tate's voice was the lowest and calmest it had been all day. Get ready, he said slowly, one step at a time. First, lock of hair. Andy reached in the bag. Agent Golden stepped to the middle of her blanket, and the agents around her cleared the way. Sweat prickled down Andy's back. Let us begin, the mayor shouted, and the stadium went dark. The audience whooped, jumped, and waved, waiting for the first spark. From down in the crowd, a flame appeared. A burly man holding a lighter was running to the base of the cement steps. Then he climbed. The mayor was too involved in his act to notice until the man was practically on top of him. When he finally saw him, the mayor backed up and said, What? What are you doing? into the mic. The man didn't answer. 
he just grabbed the mic and turned to the crowd. New light, my ass. Gritty and deep, Andy recognized Dante's voice. Police tried to move through the crowd to get to the man, but the Udocs closed ranks and blocked their progress. The mayor disappeared behind the bandstand. Dante said, You don't know sorrow until you've had your children ripped away from you, or your wife, or your best friend. We're tired of being wrangled like cattle, and we know the ID registration is a hoax, an excuse to trap us, he pointed at the crowd. And to take it out on our kids is pretty low. You docs in the crowd went crazy, screaming and pounding the air. And we won't take it anymore, Dante yelled. We're human beings and deserve to be heard. The police were at the base of the stairs. Whatever happened to bring us your huddled masses yearning to be free? Well, here we are. And this is what we think of your ID registration. Dante held up a yellow registration form. This is the real cause of the sorrows in our town. This is what we should be burning tonight. He lit the paper and let it go, just as the police reached him. It whipped away from him in the wind. The cops tackled Dante, and the mic banged the cement so loud the crowd covered their ears. The police struggled on the ground until one of them yelled, Tease him! A clicking sound. Then Dante laid still. Suddenly, one, two, three balls of flame appeared in the crowd and flew at the Zosopra. A woman, a few feet away, picked up a rock, wrapped it with a yellow registration form, and lit the globe on fire. This is what we think of your Nazi registration. She threw the flaming bomb as hard as she could. One of the burning balls hit the Zozobra's skirt, another his chest, next his face. The planned pyrotechnics inside him began going off out of order, sparking and spitting out flame. When one of the balls fell short and landed in the crowd, panic erupted. Moms and dads grabbed their children and scattered like billiard balls. Okay, Andy, this is about to get out of hand. Let's get this done. Time to cut. Andy stepped forward, grabbed a hunk of hair extension, and cut. The agents around Golden blocked a man with a cooler from running across the blanket. Andy pulled the case Chen had given her from the bag and fumbled with the clasp. Is she down? Tate asked. Is she down yet? No, I can't get the hair case open. Andy whispered fiercely into her chest. A woman tripped next to her, hitting her ankle. Andy clutched the case to her chest. Doesn't matter. Get her on the ground and get out of there. The Zozobra's arms were swimming in flames, and a deep moan bellowed over the loudspeaker, too similar to a person actually burning to death on the hill. A three-year-old who'd lost touch with his mother's hand screamed as the huge, moaning puppet blazed behind him. A set of chubby arms found the boy, gathered him up and ran through the crowd. Andy dropped the hair in the bag. The Zosopra's face and eyes melted, and his huge arms flailed with blazing wings. Andy grabbed Golden's shoulder and motioned a thrust against her back. A crimson stain appeared on her shirt, and she crumpled to the ground. 
She's down, and the squib worked, Andy said and turned to leave. Don't forget to act like you're putting the knife in the bag. Andy hesitated. The blood. I have to have blood on the knife. Don't worry about it. Just go. This is turning into a riot. No, I can't blow this. She stopped and pulled out the knife. Suddenly, Chris was at her side. What are you doing? He gripped her wrist, his fingers hot. I need blood on the knife so Arius thinks I actually did it. I need to cut somewhere he can't see and won't check. She was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. My belly is wired, so I cut myself there. If it leaves a wet mark, Arius might check it. Fireworks exploded on the hill behind the Sosobra, flashing light across the field. Before Andy could figure out a solution, Chris took the knife, pulled up the leg of his jeans, and slid the blade across his skin. A dark line appeared, oozing liquid. He smeared his blood across the blade and handed it back, then pushed his pant leg down. Tate was shouting, Get rid of him! In a flash, the stadium lights lit the field. Andy stood, fully lit in the middle of thousands of people, holding a foot-long knife covered in blood, looking at Chris. Her breath stopped. Hide it, Chris said. Chen can see this. Get out of there. Andy slid the knife in the bag, then turned, standing shoulder to shoulder with Chris. People pushed and ran helter-skelter around them. Chen may be able to see us now, so don't act like you're cut, okay? Andy said quickly, at least for the next few minutes. Here, use this for the wound. She pulled the towel from the bag, wiped her face, then acted like she was putting it back and dropped it to the ground. Agents dressed like police rushed to Agent Golden, asking for EMTs and their radios. She lay still. Do not go back to him, Andy, please. Chris's voice was raw and tight. When he finds out what you've done, he will hurt you. I can feel it coming. He started coughing. Are you okay? Just a cold. Nothing major. Chris? I just... Andy paused and breathed deeply. If I don't see you again, I want you to know how grateful I am for your friendship, she said. For everything you've done for me. For all these years. A woman banged into her shoulder, nearly hitting the bag. Ah! Andy hugged it to her belly. You better go, Chris said. Andy looked over at him. She couldn't help it. Just one last time. He looked back at her, soft-eyed and beautiful under the colored firework light. Be safe, he said, turned and limped into the crowd. Then Andy saw them. The back of Chris's neck was covered with a constellation of raised red bumps, just like Emma's. <laughs>